So many of you were here on Sunday, 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 before Christmas. It was what we call, we affectionately call, it is appropriately titled Christmas Sunday. I know, it's, it's very illustrious how we say that. And so we talked about, you know, Isaiah and all the kids and they were doing their thing. How many of you remember that the message, it was one of my more concise messages, you might have remembered that for being miraculous, but uh, what did I have up here? I had a, a gift, and it was a gift that kept giving, right? At first it didn't give, and we picked a volunteer from the audience, it was a child, and we asked him to come up on the stage, and we had a little fun with it. And uh, at first, the box had nothing in it, right? And the box was empty, and they looked in there. You saw the disappointment register on the face, and then we asked him to sit down, and that kind of fit with the point of the story. What, what would have happened if Jesus never came? There was no gift. Mankind would have been disappointed. Then we brought them back up, and we said, but there was a gift. Jesus did come. Ah, but Jesus shared himself with others. Jesus isn't meant to be just kept. It's meant to be shared. And so we challenged each of the two boys that came up here and said, what do you think? Do you think you should... And, and this is so guilt-oriented from the front. It was horrible. I felt bad, but not bad enough not to do it. Um, but we said, do you think that maybe you should give that away to someone who really needs it? And so then we asked, you know, who needs it? And of course, those who desperately needed money raised their hands. And the money was passed on, $10 was passed on to uh, first service. It was a brother, um, which was hilarious because for the next part, when the, ne- the last thing happened, we called them up for the last thing, that the gift and the joy, that was the whole point of that Sunday's message, the joy of giving is we get so much more. We get the original gift of Christ, but then as we give that gift away, we get Christ and we get more. We get joy. And so I, in my incredible school of magic wizardry, I somehow managed to get a $20 bill into the box, open it up. And it was really funny because during first service, the young man who got the $10 from his brother got up here and when he saw that his brother got $20, his face was like, but there's a, there's a spiritual lesson in there somewhere. I don't know what it is, but there's one in there somewhere. But second service, we had our very own Ian Boyer step up and uh, he went through that whole process and it was fantastic. What I did not get to share with you is something that happened after service, which was uh, fantastic. Ian came up to me with Ruth afterwards and he, and he was saying something. And Ian is uh, still coming into his voice and I'm getting older so I can't hear things and all those years of music plugging into my ears. So I got down on one knee, so Grandpa Jer, time out. I drive my girls to, yeah, I, I'm sorry, this is a, a vulnerable moment. I drive my girls to school every day. I'm driving my youngest to her junior high school and her friend standing there waiting and the conversation that ensued was when she got out and met her friend. She said, oh, your grandpa brought you to school? <laughs> anyway, back to Ian. So Grandpa Cook is down on one knee because he can't hear very well. And, and Ian's standing there, he's trying to get something out. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on? And what Ian was saying was, he was handing me the $20 back saying could you give this to someone who needs it are you kidding me what is he like 11 years old 10 10 years old what 10 year old after having to give up 10 bucks he gets 20 and he's like 
I think somebody else needs this more than me. And I will never forget that. And so I, I said to Ian, I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm leaving town and, and I don't know that I'm going to see somebody. My family's all, you know, they're good. They're taken care of. I said, why don't you go find somebody over the next month that you can give to? And uh, I just talked to Ian on his way in this morning and he took another $10 from his allowance, partnered it with the $20 and helped, what was it, buy water for an African village for a month. Folks, I can't give you any better. I have in my notes illustration, and it's blank. There's a reason God didn't give me the illustration until last night when I thought of that. And then I got to talk to Ian this morning on the way in. I can't give you any better illustration about where we're going in the sermon today. That was uncommon. That's taking the common and it's becoming what? Uncommon. And that's what our theme is this year. And when Jesus said, blessed are the children, let them come to me. Unless you have the faith of a child, you cannot, you shouldn't, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Let that message ring forth for us. This morning, we are getting into the second part of our sermon series. Five crucial characteristics of what kind of people? Uncommon people. How many of you have been called uncommon, labeled uncommon this past week? Any of you? We need to, oh good, we've got at least one. We've got to do a better job at this, and you, you can't get your wife or your husband to just do it, okay? You know, that doesn't count. Get somebody that you don't know. Five points, we talked about purpose. It's got to start with your purpose. You've got to have an uncommon purpose. Secondly, we build on that this morning, we're talking about selflessness. And by the way, these are not, per- I didn't get these from Zig Ziglar's World of Success. I, I, this is not, these are Jer's five things. There might be ten, there might be twenty, there might be only one, but I came up with five. So this morning we're looking at selflessness, then we'll talk next week about faith and risk and moving mountains. Without sacrifice, there is no resurrection. Without sacrifice, there is no resurrection. I truly want you to contemplate that this morning. Before we move forward, one scintilla. Comprehend that concept. Because what Jesus is asking of us, where we're going to be in the Scriptures today in Matthew 21, is not easy by any means. But how many of you are willing to follow a leader that leads first, is out in front of you, is willing to do the hard work and demonstrate it? I am. That's who Jesus is. It's not just who Jesus was, it's who Jesus is. He did the hard work for us. So understand, even for our own life, without sacrifice, there is no resurrection. This morning, let's read the text together. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. I keep saying Matthew 21. You'll see why later. It says this, Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life and lose it, I'm sorry, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Let's pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts, our minds, in context and in purpose to what we're looking at today. Father, we ask that Your Spirit would make this purposeful he would make it poignant he would reveal to us those areas that that we can grow in in this area so that we can be uncommon for you 
Thank you, Lord, to your glory. Do your work. Amen. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to get into the Scripture. We're going to look and, and, and break this down right now. And then we're going to give you some examples out of Scripture as to how does this really look? How does this play out in reality? All right? And then we'll challenge you. We'll give you some, some meat and potatoes of how can I apply this into my life. So let's start with this. Number one, uncommon living results... Uh, uncommon living results in uncommon results. There are three things that I want to share with you in this concept this morning. So if we're talking about what Jesus just said, that unless someone denies himself, he can't follow me, that, that we need to not be obsessed with the world, we need to concern ourselves with where the soul goes. He says, what does it profit a man to be concerned with the things of gaining all that you can around yourself? Well, now that, that's kind of, hang on a second there, Jesus. Profits me greatly. I like my car. I like, I like being able to eat at uh, uh, Olive Garden. I like the uh, onion blossom at Outback Steakhouse. I don't really. I'm just you know, imagining what you're saying. I like those things, God, and it does profit me to pursue those things. We'll get to that. Because Jesus is speaking in hyperbole, okay? He's exaggerating to get a point across. And He says, unless you deny yourself and follow Me and take up your cross, do not receive eternal life. Let's look at three, three ways to see this. Number one, following Christ requires less of you and all of Him. Following Christ requires less of you and all of Him. And we'll demonstrate that through something that happened in Scriptures in a minute. But I want you to think in context to your own life. How many of you work really hard? How many of you are burning the candle at both ends? How many of you feel like you just are running at 80%? Some of you are running at 5%. You're on fumes. How many of us find ourselves in those desperate moments of crying out to Jesus saying, I can't do it anymore. It's beyond me. Then you're starting to learn what this means. Following, following Christ requires less of you and all of Him. It means to be selfless. This statement simply means that you are about Him more than you are about yourself. Does that make sense? You are purposefully about Him more than you are about yourself. Examine your life. Examine your hours. Examine your checkbook, your bank statement. Examine the people around you and ask them to give you an evaluation. Ask them to give some feedback saying, what am I about? Am I uncommon? Secondly, if uncommon living, re uncommon living resulting in uncommon results is to take place, number two, we are asked to deny ourselves our desires and we need to sacrifice. This is the idea of following Him. We are asked to deny our desires and to sacrifice. What is it that you heard from Alana's testimony that fits with this? In my mind, there was a lot. And that's just one person. That's just one individual. You don't have to have such a dramatic moment 
the challenges for us on a daily basis. I had a great conversation with somebody after first service. And it's this idea that just even coming today was a denying of oneself. He wanted to stay in bed. He didn't want to come. But he was rejoicing that he did. And he made the decision to follow Christ rather than follow himself. Had he followed himself, he would have gained more sleep. But he would have had this nagging thing in the back of his head saying, eh, I denied Christ here a little bit. I asked him specifically, are you glad you did what you did? And you can say, no, I don't care. I won't take it personal. He said, I made the right choice. And I'm glad I did. Hold on to our desires and we lose. Adopt His desires, we experience uncommon life. That's what profit is. When Jesus says to us, what does it profit a man? He's all about you and I profiting. Sometimes you get the erroneous information that, you know, Jesus doesn't really want you to win. He wants you to submit. No, Jesus wants you to profit. He wants you to do well. He wants you to succeed, but His idea of succeeding is very different than the world's idea of succeeding. Amen? Now, the question that that brings to my mind is, well, then does that mean I have to suffer? Does that mean if I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to follow Him, take up my cross and sacrifice, am I then going to suffer? Or will there be profit? Folks, finish this statement for me. Nothing good ever came easy. But we have a world, we have a society that keeps wanting to make it easier and easier and easier, right? Last night I made some raviolis. Did it the old-fashioned way. Boiled water. Okay? But then I was in a conundrum. I didn't heat the sauce in a saucepan. Some of you connoisseurs of food are like, I know exactly what I did. What did I do? Yep, put the raviolis, which were already done. Uh, You're just going to shake your head at me. I put the raviolis, which were already done, on the plate. And then I put the cold marinara sauce on the raviolis. And then I stuck it in for how many seconds? A minute would have meant my microwave was now red on the inside. Um, No, it was like 10 seconds on high. And yes... It was, the, the sauce was warm, but I was now eating something resembling jellyfish uh, with goat cheese in it. Um, we have a society that wants it to be instantaneous. And I will tell you that what you're about to hear is a statement where he who seeks what it, the world has to offer and he chooses that, he will go away sad. I sat there watching the Warriors, trying to watch the Warriors game while my dog was destroying the living room. Um, and eat my jellyfish raviolis. And I will tell you, even though beautiful things were happening on the TV, I went away sad after that meal. I went away sad. And I have vowed that from now on, I don't do the cooking. Doesn't matter. what. I'm... Yeah, let's just move on, shall we? Before I get myself in more trouble. So uncommon living resulting in uncommon results. Selflessness applies to this. And Jesus hands us this, this golden nugget of wisdom that if we, if we pursue the world, we're going to strike out. And yet, He uses specifically the word profit. What does it profit a man? 
Because that's how we're wired. That's the message we get all day long. That's the message Alana heard. You know, you're not, you're going to have to give up this and you're going to have to give up this and you're going to have to give up this if you honor life, if you honor me. That's the message we're fed nonstop. The challenge is seeing the goodness of the soul and the beauty of what Christ has for you and trusting in that and saying there's something better beyond what I can imagine that's uncommon question is do we believe that and belief manifests itself in action and decisions you've seen that witnessed here this morning let me introduce you to two people out of scripture richie and Petey. have you ever heard those guys in scripture richie and Petey. you guys get special revelation here all the time i wouldn't quote it to anybody else but you do get special revelation richie and Petey. let me introduce you to richie this morning Richie and Petey, common versus uncommon. Richie, we find in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Let's turn there and let's say, what? What are you talking about, Pastor? There's a guy named Richie? I can't wait. I'm so excited to turn to Matthew and see who this Richie guy is. Has anybody gotten there yet? I haven't heard any laughing. How many of you have... uh, have the title above this section, verse 16, it says, Rich, the young man. Yeah, I must have misread it. Actually, now that I look at it closer, it says, The rich young man. He doesn't actually have a name, but so I'm just going to call him Richie. I'm going to call him Richie today, okay? little outside the text, just understand. Uh, the Greek does not name him. All right, this is no special revelation. But for our sake this morning, let's look at verses 16 through 22, shall we? And then we'll really unpack how this, this fits beyond the, the sardonic name that I've given him. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would <clears throat> enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this is the story of Richie. It's a fascinating story, but let's break it down, shall we? By the way, Richie represents the common. Richie wanted eternal life. He just didn't want Jesus. Have you ever met somebody like that? They want eternal life, they just don't want Jesus. Maybe that's us here today. We desire that. We're not even sure about it, right? You know, there's, that, there's the parties talking about our soul. Uh, there's the intangible. There's the immaterial. And you know what? You're dealt with a constant litany of the material nonstop. This, this is easy to believe in. I can see it. I can touch it. You have to set your mind on the things unseen, folks, to, to really drive into where Christ is asking us to to park the car for a while. 
Richie wanted eternal life. He just didn't want Jesus. Now what's fascinating about Richie is this. Is that God knows each and every one of us. He knows our struggles. He knows what we're pursuing, what we're not pursuing. You heard from Alana that she knew that God was aware of Isaiah before she was aware of Isaiah. He knows. He gets it. What's fascinating is you can break down the Ten Commandments two ways. There are the commandments that serve God and attend towards God, and there are the commandments that attend towards our neighbor. Which ones does Jesus hold Richie to? All of them are connected to loving his neighbor. Folks, in order to love your neighbor in a sacrificial way, which is what, when we go back to Matthew uh, 16, denying ourselves, not figuring out, not pursuing, not trying to profit as much as we can profit, it's all about serving others. Just as Christ came to serve, the Son of Man came to serve, not to what? To be served. And so he recognizes this in Richie and he says, fine, practice these. Don't you find it a little odd he didn't list all the commandments? He says, practice these. Now what's interesting is how does, how does Richie respond? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I got all that nailed down. Now if he had it all nailed down, why is he coming to Jesus? Because Jesus was uncommon. We all get our ideas and we all get this, this list, this systematic process, the do's and don'ts, the way we do church, the way we worship God. We've got it all compacted and figured out. And as long as we're doing this, home run. But I think each of us have something speaking in the back of our, our minds, our hearts. It's called the Holy Spirit. Just like Richie did saying, even though I'm doing all that, I came to ask Jesus what am I missing? Are you there? Are you saying, what am I missing? Because something's not right. I would know if I'm there. I would know if I'm there. You see, Richie knew he wasn't there. He wanted eternal life, not Jesus. Secondly, Richie thought by, uh, thought by his own bootstraps he could what? He could qualify. How many of us struggle with that one? Right? I'm going to do it. Remember I told you earlier on, we're going to get to this. I can do it. Look at what I did. Look at what I made happen. Look at what I accomplished. Look at this. Look at that. Right? I never should have brought out that picture about me and the baseball. Because now, like, other people just keep posting it on Facebook, and it's just, it, it's becoming legendary now. And now I'm embarrassed. Right? And, uh, and so it, this past week, somebody else posted, and all these old friends of mine started putting Oh, yeah, he stole the ball from a kid, and he's holding it up. Oh, yeah, he brought his own ball to the game. Oh, yeah, you know, just on and on and on. And, uh, and you know what I wanted to say? I wanted to say, no, I caught that. And then I thought, wait a minute, what do I always say about that? No, I know how good I can catch. I can't catch for snot. God helped me catch that ball. He directed that ball towards me. Bootstraps. Look at what I did. Look at what I accomplished. Folks, that, that, that gets to here, and it's exhausting. And Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to sacrifice and follow me. And then it will be limitless as far as your profitability. Let's go to the next point. Richie suspected that he didn't measure up. That's why he's there. Jesus tells him, hey, 
fine, just do this. <laughs> How many of us would have walked away at that point? Yes, I got it. He said, that's all I have to do. I've been doing that. I'm in. But what did Richie say? I've done all that. What else? Isn't it interesting that God gives us that voice inside? When we know something's missing, when we need to pursue more, when we're not quite qualified yet for what we're attaining towards. Richie, when faced with the truth, walked away sad to join the common. See, this is the tragedy in the story. Richie was about pursuing and gaining the world. And what was his profit? A sad heart. There are not that many stories. There are not that many um, parables. There are not that many examples I can give you out of Scripture where someone walked away sad after a decision. This is one of the few rare ones that was recorded. It was recorded for a purpose. Because there was an individual who was faced with a choice. And what did they choose? They chose to be common. They chose to be common. And what was the result? What was the profit? They were sad. How tragic that we as individuals, people who are so smart, so wise, that we would actually choose something and prefer something that we knew was second best, third best, even wrong. And yet, we deal with the fallout of that all the time, don't we? The repercussions of that all the time. Cleaning up the messes that we choose because we're so common. But here's the beauty. It's not just a story about Richie. There's a story about Petey. Petey in John 21, 15. Turn there if you will. You may be saying, alright, Petey, Petey. I think I might know this one. And Pastor... You are very irreverent. I don't know how you can call the Apostle Peter Petey. Well, if you take the Aramaic and you transliterate it with Sanskrit and then you eat a lot of jello raviolis, this is what you get. Verse 15 through 21 says this. Now, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me point this out. Uh, Jesus has died. Peter, the denial, the three times, right? At, at the fire. And, and according to the text, we have not yet seen Peter talk or converse with Jesus kind of in an intimate level. They've had interaction. Jesus walked through, presented himself to the disciples, right? Peter running back and forth on resurrection day. But now we're over all the, the pop and circumstance. Now they're isolated on a beach in the northern Galilee. And he's cooking them. A nice meal. You know some of the most spiritual things happen around meals? He doesn't even isolate Peter. The disciples are there. This is for Peter's benefit, by the way. Because Jesus has plans for Peter. And those plans have not changed. And yet, how many people would follow? How many of the apostles would have followed Peter when he denied Christ three times? But look at how Jesus was watching out for Peter. By the way, he gives him a choice. 
Three times he had a choice to profess Christ, and yet, did he? No, he denied him. Because he wanted to gain his life. But he wasn't thinking about his soul. So now Jesus gives him three times to counteract that. He had three times to choose whether he would deny himself and follow Christ, or whether he would seek the world Let's pick it up now. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs or my sheep. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Now, look, he's grieved at this moment. So let's be honest with ourselves, okay? He's grieved at this moment because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Let's break this down on Petey. Petey was asked if others mattered more. What did he say? Yes. He said yes three times. Now he went through that grief that we, that we bring out because why? Because he's saying... I've told you already twice that I love you, and do you doubt me? I think when it says that he was grieved, I think it connected. Does that make sense? I think it connected. And imagine being that person, you're in front of your friends, and it's like, oh no, really? How could you bring this up in front of everybody? I'm sitting here telling you that I love you. How could you bring this up? And I think within moments, he realizes what Jesus has actually done. He's restoring him. He's putting him in place to be the authority even over those apostles. Because he does love Jesus. Because he does love Jesus. Because he said yes three times instead of no. And we'll see what happens at the end if he walks away grieved or not. Petey was asked if God mattered more. What did he say? He said yes. Pete, you can choose to go this way or you can tend my sheep. Pete, you can, you can go after that. You can be a fisherman. You can do this. You can do the other. You can probably save your life. You won't face a, a life of grief and challenge. But do you love me? Pete said yes. Petey was told it wouldn't be easy and that he would have to go where he didn't want. This is predicting the Apostle Peter's death decades from this conversation. And you know what? Peter went to his death, a martyr's death under Nero. And he was to be crucified as a mockery towards Jesus. And Peter gladly went. And history tells us, antiquity tells us, that he gave testimony that he considered it an honor to go to his death for Christ. What a change, right? He did not deny himself. And all he had to do was to deny Christ and it would have saved his life. What a change in this person. 
And what we hear from antiquity is that he was glad. He didn't go away sad like Richie. He went away glad because he was there to gain what? His soul. Not worldly things. He had a mindset for the eternal. And even more so, he said, by the way, flip the cross because I don't deserve to be in the same position as my Lord and Savior. You may crucify me, but crucifying me is nothing compared to Him. What an act of love. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I'll die for you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, so much so, I don't deserve to be in the same position as you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, welcome to my kingdom, Peter. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because Peter decided to what? Take up his cross and follow Christ. By the way, what does Jesus say at the end there? After he said three times, he turns to Petey. And he just simply says this, follow me. And we don't have explicitly in the Scriptures that he did so, but he did so. Because in the next, it says that he turns around, they're walking down the beach together, and all of a sudden, John's in tail. And Peter goes right back to being Peter. Hey man, I thought it was just you and me. What's with with the hanger on? And Jesus like, would you get it together, dude? You know, because Jesus said dude a lot. Um, Jesus says... You know, what concern is he of yours? It's not, don't worry about that, man. Okay? We're going to get done what we need to get done. The point is this, is that Peter got up and he followed. After being told that if you do this, you will die. Stark contrast between Richie, right? Stark contrast. The uncommon versus the common. The challenge for you and I today is, what do we want? Bottom line, Peter had to make the decision to be selfless. He had to choose to deny himself. He failed at that three times earlier. He succeeded at it the rest of his life. Because of his own bootstraps? No. Because he did it in the power of Christ. That's for us to learn today. So let me give you three points. Oh, I got a fourth one. Peter was asked to follow and he did so gladly. This morning, I don't know if this is in your notes. If it's not, you're going to burn your fingers up and your pencils and your pens trying to get this down real quickly. But let's look at this. Common people pursue the riches of everyday life and receive all they can acquire. And you're sitting there saying, well, wait a minute. I've been trying to acquire a lot more than I have, and I haven't received it. No, don't look at it that way. <laughs> look at it this way. Yep, that's all you can acquire. That, that's the result of being common. Is that you're, you're going to get, in that pursuit of, of worldly things, the things you want to gain, you're going to get what you can get. Congratulations. How much did you get so far? But here's the interesting part about this quote, and it's borrowing the concepts from Matthew 16. By the way, they don't just get the good. They get the good and they get the bad. All right? They get the good and the bad. Uncommon people pursue the riches of the soul eternal and receive much more than they can acquire for today and for eternity. When we choose the common... We choose limitation. It is a deeper and more difficult decision. You heard from Alana. But if Alana, if Ian can make the harder choice, can't we? Can't we learn to deny ourselves and participate in the joy of what Christ has for us? In closing, I have some points for us. 
How can selflessness make my life more uncommon? How can we do this? How can we live this out? Number one, be willing to lose your life so that you can gain it. Determine not to walk away sad. It all has to do with motivation. Do you know that they can now track... I just heard a stat over the radio. They now track the people that made those New Year's resolutions about diet and and exercise. And uh, it's scary what has resulted just in two weeks. We have real-time data on this. And, and the issue is, is that 60, over, over, over 60% of the people that started out on some kind of a diet, weight loss, exercise program that use an app to track it are failing miserably by now. I won't ask who in the room, okay? Two weeks! Does that make you want to walk away sad? Have you ever been that person? You know, how oh, man, are you? I can't do this. You know, here's the beauty of making this choice to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Him. Is that if we get the picture of eternity, we don't walk away sad. Get the motivation. All those people who started that diet plan, they had a picture of themselves, didn't they? Yeah, looked like some gym trainer that's 24 years old, that God endowed with special curves and lack of curves and things like that. And for some reason, we think God's endowed us that way. God has endowed me to cook raviolis. Be willing to lose your life so that you can gain it. Get a picture. Get the right picture and then pursue that. Two, start loving Jesus first, then others. Value Petey and not Richie. When we love, it means we trust God. And really the challenge and the, and the, the acumen between Richie and Petey was that Petey trusts Jesus. Richie didn't. Trust is one of those almost synonymous terms with love. Do you realize that? The question for you and I today is if we're going to gain eternal life, if we're going to be uncommon people, we have to practice selflessness. What does that look like? Well, it starts by loving God and loving those around us. And if we're doing that, we can practice. I had a video during first service, but we didn't have Alana's testimony, so I skipped it. But a guy's walking around with $100 bills, walking up to people that are homeless and just giving. And he says at the beginning, you know, we have a little bit more than other people have, so we're going we're gonna to give from that. Folks, we have a lot. And I'm proud of this church, the way this church gives. It's tremendous how this church gives. Not just in the offering, I'm talking about to one another. And to serving one another. That's done out of love. Thirdly, once a day, do something for Jesus that will cost you. Take up your cross. Now let me give you some instruction on this. This doesn't just come naturally. Alana's a trainer at In Shape. Alana, have you ever seen me? I have a membership, I'll just admit it. Have you ever seen me over there? No. Testify. She's never seen me. Well, I'm not there when you're there. Okay. Let's just put it that way. Um, if I don't sit there and my wife tries to help me plan, she's very good at that. She says, honey, what's your plan for the week? She's so good at this. She knows it. Unless I structure the week ahead of time, like Sunday night, and say, okay, on this day, on this day, on this day, I'm going to... Can I encourage you to do that with this? Practice it? Because just hearing it does nothing. 
If God's doing a work in your heart on this, then do something with it tonight. Sit down and say, on Monday, these are the people I intersect with. On Tuesday, this is where I'm going. On Wednesday, I'm not doing anything. And on these days, I could sacrifice this or this or this and practice selflessness. And let's see how uncommon God can make my life. Get it? Fantastic. Fantastic. Let me close in prayer this morning. And remember, without sacrifice, there was no resurrection. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the wisdom that You have given to us. I thank You that You give us Your Spirit and Your Word that can lead us to where we need to go. I pray for each of us that we follow in in Peter's steps and not the rich young ruler. I pray that we don't walk away sad because we're, we're bound to the things that can do very little for us. Because we just don't understand well enough or we don't trust enough or maybe the harsh reality is we just don't love enough You who can take us so further, so much further than we could possibly imagine. Father, I know in my own life that that relationship can sometimes be a struggle, but the quickest way for me to get back into great relationship with You, dependence relationship, is to practice being selfless. And when that happens, you show up in big ways for uncommon events and therefore making me and my life uncommon. Take these words, Lord. Use them in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for the testimonies of people even within our church today. And grant to us just a great time of fellowship and and decision-making and and sharing during our, our meeting in a few minutes. To your glory, Father. Amen.